right. I like that. I like that because he is a good God and we do need to praise him because it's by his mercy and grace that we're here. And some of us have been through a whole bunch to get here and we're so thankful for that. So we always want to say that. And then the, to our people on Zoom, I'm glad to see you. And I hope you can see me. <laughs> and uh, I'm just pleased to be back at Higher Power. I haven't been here for a long time. I did do, uh, I think last year, uh, I was a speaker for one of the meetings on Zoom. But I'm always uh, happy. Can they hear me? Okay. So I'm always happy to be here. And for those of you that are new to me, uh, I am the uh, adult child of an alcoholic. And I uh, was first introduced to these rooms by my son, the late Eric Walker, who passed away in 1993. He had nine years clean when he left here. And uh, David Lewis, who is now gone as well, used to say that when Eric left, he dropped the mantle on me. And I've been so pleased to be accepted in these rooms. And I pastor a church in East Palo Alto called Bread of Life Evangelistic Outreach. And uh, I am now proudly the author of a book. And uh, I thank God that he allowed me to do that. I have a, a friend who is also a pastor and she has written several books. So she was the one that God selected to help me get that book done. He spoke to me many years ago about that book. And uh, so it's called God is the Writer of My Story. And you can find that on Amazon. And I have some cards that I'll leave on the table that help you to uh, get the book if you're interested. And uh, so I'm so grateful to be here. And so I've been asked tonight to talk about grief. And uh, I was really impressed because we are people who are discouraged, okay? Don't worry about it. We are people that are discouraged from talking about things that don't feel good. And grief is probably a major subject that doesn't feel good. Uh, and uh, so we don't talk about it. And it makes us unhealthy because we don't talk about it. So if you let me pray, we'll talk about it. Father God, we thank you so much. We're so grateful. You're such a good God. Thank you for each one that is present and those that are on Zoom. And Father God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord. My strength and my redeemer is what you are. And I am grateful in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we, we don't talk about unpleasant things. Uh, we say that in our society. But we really need to talk about some things that make us not feel good because then we empty ourselves of that pressure of trying to cover it up and trying to make everybody feel like we're okay. We don't have any problems and we're just uh, 
dying inside. Let me just use that word. We're just dying inside because we don't want to let people know that we have pain about loss because that's usually uh, what's going on. We've lost something. We've lost an important person in our life. We've lost things that God allowed us to accumulate. It's about loss. And we don't want anybody to know that it affected in us, affected us in a way that we have to talk about it. And of course, more than any other people that I would have this conversation with is, is the group in here because we had all of these secrets that we kept and we fed ourselves uh, substances to keep quiet. So you all are a wonderful audience for me because I understand about grief and I understand about loss, but I also understand about cover-up. That's what I call it. When we stuff it, we keep it inside of us and we're just about to explode, but we stuff it because we just don't want anybody to think we're weak. We don't want anybody to think that they, you know, what happened to me has gotten the best of me. And so we medicate it and we do all those things. So tonight we just want to talk about it a little bit and refer you to some scripture. I happen to have the privilege of being a volunteer chaplain for San Mateo County Correctional Facility. And so I, I work under the supervision of Service League of San Mateo County, and they allow me to do the death notifications for our inmates in San Mateo County. And I say they allow me the opportunity because many of these folks are not gonna be able to be connected with the family during the early days of loss because of death. And they don't know when they might uh, have at last had a connection with that loved one that is no longer here. And so they're just kind of in a place of being stuck. And so they allow me to talk with them, give them the unhappy news, and then do brief counseling with them. And some of us have not had formal grief counseling, but we've had a friend or a loved one that has allowed themselves to become our grief counsel. And in my case, it was my daughter. When my son Eric passed away, he is my firstborn. And of course, he passed away. Uh, <clears throat> he was in his 30s and he was clean for nine years, but dirty needles. And you know, we've come a long way with that now because we have medications. But in 1993, people were dying. And there was nothing we could do about it. And so I, for the first time, not the first time having a death in my family, but losing my own child, it's a little bit different. But I lost my mother and my father, and uh, that is a different kind of situation, too. So when we talk about grief, it's not just about loved ones. That's very important. Friends, very important. But then we have these other losses. We have properties, and we lose those properties. 
we have vehicles and we lose those vehicles. Or we have jobs that help us to pay our bills and we lose those. So we suffer losses in this world. And grief is something that is very important that we have a grief process. Because if we don't have a grief process, we carry that stuff around on the inside of us. And we can have physical illness, we can have emotional illness, we can have all these things happening. And we see some people who have been bruised and battered and God knows what all went on with them. And then they start wanting to hurt other people. So there's a whole bunch of things that go along with grief. And tonight, I can't even tell you all the information that I'd like to share with you. But I'm trying to make sure that I speak some something that will help you if you're going through grief right now, if you're dealing with your losses, maybe not death, but dealing with your losses of possessions, uh, trying to get yourself back where you were because uh, your substance abuse interfered with what progress you had made in life. Whatever the case is, we just want to leave you with a little information that might help you. And one of the things that we looked at was this woman whose name was Elizabeth uh, Kubler-Ross. And she wrote The Five Stages of Grief. And the book was called, and it is called, Death and Dying. And so she talks about denial. Some of us are really familiar with den denial in the term. She talked about anger. She talks about bargaining. Talks about depression. Many of us have gone through that and may be going through that now. And then talking about acceptance. That finally we just accept it. What is that in our prayer that says accept the things we cannot change? And, you know, we need to change the things that we can, but we need to accept those things that we can't change. And some people really beat themselves up because they want it their way and they want to fix it. So they got some fixers uh, in the room. And I'm not pointing the finger at you. I'm just saying, you know, we want to fix it if we can fix it. But most times we can't fix it. And so we need to learn how to deal with those things in a way that will help us go forward and have peace around the situation because sometimes we don't have peace. So there are scriptures that I will leave with you uh, if you want to jot them down or I guess they'll have a tape or cassette or whatever uh, that you can read in the Bible that help you with these problems. You know. If I can refer you to any book, and I can, some of the books, but the real book, the real help, is right there in the Bible. God gave us his word, and in that word is a solution for every problem that we'll ever have. And so I always want to refer people to the Bible. 
And so in Psalms 34, 18, it talks about grief. In Isaiah 53, verse 3, that's the scripture where Jesus is wounded for our transgressions. He is bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Talking about grief, that's where you get some help. And so we need to know that God blesses those who mourn, who are sad about their losses, who shed some tears about their losses, who are able to express how painful it is to have that loss in their life. And for me, when my son died, my daughter, who is the baby of the family, was my listener. She was my counselor. She was the one that allowed me to bear my soul about how painful it was to lose my child. And she was my child too, the baby of the family. But she was the one that was God delegated to listen to me. And you see, that's what we need. When we're going through the grief process, we need a good listener. I'm sorry. Over here. Yeah. Uh, we need a good listener. And even now, those of you that are working this step, your sponsor is your listener. You know? And then you need to do some writing. You see, writing is a good therapy. And we think that we have the corner on the market because we're in recovery and we do all that writing. But writing is good therapy for anybody. Because what's on the inside of you, if you put it on paper, you have emptied yourself. You have caused yourself to be uh, freed of some weights and some burdens and some stuff that's going on in your mind that causes you to want to medicate yourself or get angry with everybody and fight everybody. You know the story. I have to tell you. So we need to know God's word and we need to have someone who is able to be our listener. And then we need to learn how to be good listeners. I do my work at the jail and what I do is pastoral care uh, one-on-ones. And that means that I meet with the inmates. I get and I introduce myself, ask them how they're doing, and get them to talk. And my talk, my conversations, are I'm allowed to have confidentiality. Unless you tell me you're getting ready to kill yourself, I don't have to tell anybody. They say that. But we know in the jails they have ears all around, so those guys are not going to say, and women are not going to say anything that's going to incriminate them. If they can have a private conversation with me about whatever I allow them to do that, that's what I go there for. Uh, Right now, we're on Zoom like everybody else. We're on Zoom. And so I have these appointments. And some of those folks, uh, you know, they're really in serious trouble, waiting to go to court. Don't know what's going to happen to them but at least they can empty out some of the stuff 
that has gone on in the past, many of the men are telling me they're concerned about their families. And then we have women that sometimes have children. You know, so they're just like us. They just happen to be locked up right now. And so we have these things that we need to share. And we need somebody who is willing to listen and not interrupt us. Because in this world, when you say something, somebody else wants to say something. You say something, oh no, wait a minute, it doesn't go like that. You say something, oh wait a minute, let me tell you what happened to me. You see, but we need to learn how to listen. And only, that's a gift. So everybody's not going to learn how to listen. So then God, you ask God for that person that you can have. And some of you have sponsors, and I know that. But even if you don't have a sponsor and in the program, you know, there's a brother or a sister in that program that may be a little further along than you that may be willing to take that on because it's a big responsibility because then once you get that stuff it's yours you can't go around telling everybody what they said so you got to give it to god and we all need to learn how to give thanks to god we all need to say lord i need you to handle this i can't handle it. i surrender this to you today and then when we surrender it, we leave it there. We don't come back and get it. So there's a whole bunch of scriptures that go along with this that I can give you. But I basically, uh, and I can put this in writing and can use it as a handout. But I basically want to just talk to you today about dealing with your losses, dealing with your grief because you're going to be a lot healthier. Not only phys mentally, but physically. And tell you a little story. You know, I'm a pastor. Uh, I'm a leader in the East Palo community. I consider myself that, and a lot of people do. So, you know, it's a little different for people that are in the limelight when they have suffered loss than it is for just folks that people don't pay attention to in the corner over there. And so, you know, they talk about us. I have a t-shirt and I laugh every time I put it on because it says, I am strong. We've got a big cross there, it's, it's spiritual. But I am strong. But when you suffer loss, it's hard to be strong. If you've ever lost a loved one, even losing those possessions, uh, people that become homeless, my heart goes out to them. They lost their shelter. And so when we lose uh, things that are valuable to us, we, it's hard to be strong. And so what people appear to look at you and say, oh, she's a strong woman. Well, let me tell you, if you're human, you can be strong about some things. But there are some things that will put you on your knees. And I have been there plenty of times. And thanking God that I knew that I could get on my knees. And that God would hear me. And he would send someone to help me. Whether I said uh, anything about that or not. He would put somebody in my path. And a person who would care and a person who would listen. And in the case of my son, 
it was my youngest child who was my support, my youngest child. And she did what she needed to do for me. And that was listen to me going on and on about my dead child. She did that for me. We don't always see eye to eye, but she did that for me. And you see, that's what you need when you're going through a grief process. But you need to go through one, because if you don't, that stuff is still inside of you. And your body begins to show that you're not doing enough grieving, not doing enough going through the process. And I'm not just talking about weeping, but I, I do want to talk about weeping. Weeping. Because in this society that we live in, they say men, real men, don't cry. Well, why not? You got tears, why don't you cry? Of course, you know, and we discourage people from crying. We tell them, even if they're suffering a loss at their service, don't cry. Well, we need to, because that's another way of expressing our griefs, grief and how much it has affected us. That's what emotions are about. And we see third world country people and they just let it all hang out. We, some of us need to know how to do that because we're full of stuff that is just so painful. I'm going to tell you two more things and then I'm going to be done. When I was in Bible college, I was going to a church. And I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I was going to a church in North Tulsa. That's uh, mostly the community of color, or it was then. And so I was going to the church over there, and it happened to be that the pastor of that church was the son-in-law of the president of the Bible College. And so, as always, I found myself doing two things, showing up for the prayer meetings and doing altar counseling. I've been counseling all my life. I've counseled with high school kids. I've done counseling all my life, I think. So those were the things that I was doing in the, in the church. And so one Sunday morning, one of the professors from the Bible college was there, but he was a chiropodist, you know, take care of your feet. And uh, he had a pearl line. And uh, there was a woman that I had seen at the school the week before this young lady. I saw her, didn't know her, didn't know her name, just happened to see her. And when he started this prayer line, he said he was having a prayer line for women who had been sexually violated. And so he opened it up for those women to come. He and his wife were going to pray for them. And that young woman got up and got in that prayer line. And so he prayed for her. He laid hands on her. He prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And you could see that she needed to have a release, but it wasn't happening. And so I'm sitting there and I see, and the spirit of the Lord said for me to go there and put my hands on her. Well, that was a no-no because I wasn't the pastor there. I was a student and a member of that church, but I had no business going up there while one of the pastors was laying hands on somebody and put my head on them. Who am I? But the Spirit of the Lord kept speaking to me. And finally, she just, 
you know, got weakened. She went on down on the floor. And when she did, the Lord said to me, you go up there and put your hands on her. And so she's laying on the floor. I went and put my hands on her. And when I did, I felt something inside of me break. It wasn't me. It was her. She needed a conduit. Sometimes we need a conduit. We need somebody to hook up with us, and they take some of that pain that we're having on them so we can get free. That's a spiritual thing, God. You may not understand it, but it does happen. And so when I did that, about three or four women then came and put their hands on her too. So, you know, there's no way that the, the minister that was up, the professor, was going to say anything to me about not doing it because here's two or three more coming. But when she started weeping, it was like a damn. She wept down in her gut. It was coming from her gut that she was just sobbing and sobbing. Whatever had happened to her, she got a release. You see, there are spiritual things that God can do with us to help others. And so we need that person to connect with. But God needs to make the connection. We don't need to make it. And I could go on and on, but I'm not. I'm going to uh, try to close this up. So Norman Wright, he was a, he just passed away. He was a Christian counselor. And he wrote a lot of the books that we in ministry use for marriage and for other ceremonies and uh, counseling. He was a Christian counselor. And uh, he said that if we lose anything, we need to grieve it. Whatever losses we have, we should grieve it. Because when we do, we set ourselves free. Because you see, it's too easy for us to start stuffing and stuffing and stuffing, and pretty soon we're so full we can't even burn because we're just too full. So we need to get rid of some of that stuff, and we need to get rid of it in a way that will be helpful to us and that it will be done in a nice Christian uh, way where you don't become the, the victim of a lot of gossip and finger pointing. It needs to be a confidential thing between whoever God sends to you and you. And many of you have sponsors, so you understand that process. And so as I begin to close this down, I just want to say to you that a grief process is so important. I could say a lot more and tell you a lot more stories about my experiences. But, you know, the Bible says that we should share uh, Isaiah. It's the book of Isaiah that says we need to be taught by precept and example. So I've tried to do that for you. I've given you the precept and tried to give you an example of my experience uh, along those lines. And I hope that whomever is in this room tonight that needed to hear that will go and get someone or ask God to send someone to help them with those painful things that have happened in your life, the losses that you have suffered, and the things that are hindering you from being who God called you to be. Because each one of us in here has an assignment. And all we need is to 
be able to get free enough to get have to be able to fulfill that assignment. And the scripture says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So when we allow God to set us free, he will set us free and we'll be able to do whatever it is that he has called us to do because everybody in here has an assignment. So I thank God for you tonight, those that are on Zoom. I hope they benefited from what I have to say. I have a lot more, but I think this is enough. And the, uh, you need to burp, and then maybe we'll do it again. <laughs> Amen, Pastor.